listeners hey welcome to read me romance <laughs> hi how's it going like an awkward pause for a second i know I was <laughs> like, talk and, and what do we say now <laughs> i feel like it's been a while since we explained how the podcast works i was thinking about that like in the middle of the night last night i was like god i don't, I don't think i've explained that in about six weeks <laughs> well, i guess go ahead and do it for everybody that's new this week for ruby dixon yeah if you're new to the podcast and you came because it's ruby dixon week how read me romance works is we have an original novella each week from a different author we take it we break it up into five parts and we release one section each day of the week monday through friday and then we wrap it up on friday with like a happily ever after so um yeah this week on the podcast is when she's ready by ruby dixon did you guys read it yes i finished it last night it was amazing i felt (laughs) sorry i felt terrible because i feel like i've read like three-fourths of our books and i just did not get time i was gonna say this is gonna be the first time we all three read a book in a long time (laughs) (laughs) since like the first week of the podcast (laughs) no since the first alexa book (laughs) although to be fair i think we all read renaissance man (laughs) it doesn't count if you wrote it (laughs) no shit that's right okay then no i don't know if this has happened before terrible because i've read like probably yeah, three-fourths of her books I've read, but she releases fast, so sometimes it's hard to catch up, but I'll have to take a minute one weekend and read, like, four in a row, and then I'm caught up again with the series. Because she's was- got, like, four or five active series. Yeah. Can I can I make a secret confession? This is my first Ruby Dixon book. <gasps> what? I know. I know. I know. I know. And, like, I don't – it's one of those things, and I'm such a jackass about it, but it's, like, when everybody tells you something's good, I'm, like, they, they're they not right. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I immediately no, no, no. think I people totally are wrong. To I, I totally relate to that. I totally relate to that. I think people are wrong, and I think I'm right. I think I know better, and then I'm not, like – I don't know. I'm, like, I'm not going to like this. You know, it's just – I'm, I'm just, scared that I'll get sucked in sometimes when somebody's like, you're really going to like this. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't and think I have too. time for this. <laughs> and that too. And it's like, you know, I just, I don't even know why I put it off because it's in my wheelhouse. Like, I love aliens. I love paranormal, I love sci-fi, like all this crap. I love it. You know, but I I wonder, too, if I'm not afraid, like you say, like either to obsess or fall in the rabbit hole or to love it more than I want to or that kind of thing. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to read this one. It's short. That's another thing, too, is like if there are longer books, I'm out. And so I was like, okay, this one's short. I'm going to read it. And, you know, this sounds really good. And this will be like an easy way to test Ruby Dixon out to see if I'm going to like it. And holy shit, I kept reading. I kept thinking like. Did we write this? Because I felt like everything she says is like stuff we would say. Even the way she said stuff, I was like, God, that sounds so right. I like can't it's perfect. Still believe that you've not read the first. No, I didn't I read the first it. one. I know, I know, I know. That's crazy. I know. I look. I'm ashamed of myself. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read about. I've read place. almost all the Ice Planet Barbarian books, but I feel like I don't know. Like I must just dropped off at some point because I'm like okay now there's like a prison planet and there's all this stuff so I'm like okay I gotta go back and and like figure out where what like read all those books that are in that gap like, that I missed. At what point did I stop yeah. Yeah at what point did I stop because oh but this was so fucking delightful like it was so good. This one, is it, this yeah. one 
I do know. It just kind of connects with some of the other worlds. So yeah. you don't have to read any of the other books to do this one. I mean, I didn't. I didn't read in any of the other books, and I was totally on board. No, with you this totally one. don't have to know. Yeah, you. She really does a good job of like setting it up without like hammering you over the head with okay yes. and there's 45 worlds that you need to be aware of and all but these species as well like yeah. she made it interesting like i wanted to know about the prison planet when i was reading this one you know there's a small mention of another planet and another people and there's also Which, a small that mention. one's free right now the one yeah the prison planet about. okay wait i gotta okay. talk to you guys really quick about prison planets um okay. there's this book <laughs> Hold on. Just a sidetrack. Hold by Claire. What is it? Oh, God, I got to find it. Um, Book, Amazon. Oh, Claire Kent. Okay. There is a book called Hold by Claire Kent. C-L-A-I-R-E, Kent. And my friend, author Sophie Jordan, is always, her, like, her favorite thing to do is to, like, recommend the most bananas books. Like, she actually does the panels at a book, that book signing is called Bananas Books, where she's like, okay, you're not going to believe the plot of this one. Yeah. So anyways, this book, Hold, by Claire Kent, it, it starts, like, it opens with this woman who's been- I've taking, read this. Did you read it? <laughs> oh, I read this. Did you just look I at love the cover? It. This is two weeks in a row of me and Mel connecting on a book. I um, know. It's exciting. Oh, it's so fucking hot. I <laughs> just all came back to me. Oh, the hottest books I've tell ever read. About, tell me. I want to okay. know. I don't so know. So it starts, about this. it opens with this woman who's been taken prisoner and she is descending into this prison full of men um, and she's about to just be thrown into it. Like they're oh, about to just shit. push her out of the elevator and be like, see you later. And the guy who the prison guard who is taking her down into this hold says, find the strongest man and give yourself to him. Right. Oh, shit. So she gets there and they're all like fresh meat, you know, like dinner's up. Right. And so she sees like there's this one really good looking blonde guy who has like a whole harem of women and sh- and like he's the obvious choice. Right. But then she like yeah. goes, she's like, oh, I don't know. Like he's but but then when I get ugly or get old, he's just going to throw me away. So yeah. she like and also those women like look emaciated and uh, miserable that, that are Aww. with him. So he looks over. Yeah, it's terrible. So he looks over. She looks over and there is this like big pouty man bear yep. who's yep. just like arms crossed <laughs> totally uninviting <laughs> ugly and he's like just looking at her and she's like i choose that guy and uh-huh and it's then he so just brings dark. her in his cell and just starts fucking her like immediately because he hasn't fucked in years and he's <laughs> he hasn't had her. a woman in years oh shit yeah and he's just like and she can't stop he can't stop and all the prisoners are watching. watching all the prisoners are watching through the gate through the bars Oh, hold on, hold on. What's the name of this book again? I'm seriously gonna look it up right now. Hold, hold by okay. Claire Kent. C L A I R E. If you're in your car, Kent. pull over. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Sophie Jordan recommended it to me, uh, or just a whole audience of people, and I was like, and I was like, you, because she's been telling me to read this book for a while now, and I was like, yeah. how good could it really be? I, it fulfilled my voyeurism kink. <laughs> fulfilled my kink for like men who are hard up for sex. The series. There's did more. There ones? Yeah, I did not know that. Holy when shit. did you read this? When, how I read this years ago. That's how in it's, my it's head been out this for a while. It's, I read it like this cover when I pulled it up. 
I didn't recognize the cover. It's a yeah. new cover. I was like, I know what she's going to say. Immediately when she was like, prison planet, this woman dropped, and my, it all came flooding back. <laughs> That's how one of those books, it just is always in your mind back so there. when did you read it, Tessa? Literally, it's only been two months. I, I think oh, okay. Okay. whenever I got back from a, um, from KissCon, Avon KissCon, because that's where okay. Sophie recommended it. And then I downloaded it on the way home and I read it. Okay. <laughs> and well, it's short. Gonna... Okay, good. Yeah, it's short. It's short. All right. Well, Mine's I've got to have been I've... five, six years ago. I just downloaded it. I don't know what else you guys want me to say. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. All right. Okay. All right? Back, back to Ruby Dixon. <laughs> so there's, Ruby, yeah. Ruby, I like, bet, has read it. I bet you. I bet you she's, she's read, read it. it. For sure. And apparently there's all this, like, another thing that Sophie was saying is there's, like, a whole genre of, like, prison planets, but also, like, like foreign lands or foreign planets that have, like, an aphrodisiac in the air that makes everybody need to have sex. There's, like, a whole genre of it, and I'm missing it. Yeah, like, something in the air, like, turns the men or the women into, like, ver- like voracious sexual beings. I love this. And I'm just missing all of it. Like, I don't see it. Someone needs to write in and tell me. Remember when, I think it was, I don't, I don't want to say the name, so I might say it wrong, but maybe this will spur your mind, Leah. There was an author who wrote a book that was almost like a mix of Lauren Donner and Cherise Sinclair. The books mixed together. Something Lopez? Somebody's probably screaming at it. Yeah, hold on. You said Lopez and that did it. Hold on. (laughs) So it was literally like somebody took the Shadowlands and then they took Lauren Donner's um, aliens and mixed them together. It was so good. Really? And there was like three or four books and then it kind of trailed off. And I was like, what happened to these books? But those are really good. Lolita Lopez. And the first one is called Grab by Vicious. Is that the one where he has her in there and they help him escape? Yes, I, I think that's the one. Oh my god. it's his I remember there's like a planet and they chase the brides down. Like you have to get entered in to get the brides <laughs> and they like chase them through the woods to claim their <laughs> I want to see, see the Gay feminism. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. No, no, no. no. No, listen. We're, we're exercising our feminist rights by choosing to read this. That's where it's our choice. So I'm not going to apologize for my vagina. This Okay, so the Grab by Vicious by Lolita Lopez, there's a librarian note on Goodreads that says, per blog post from this author, this series has been put, this series has been put on hold and is unlikely to be completed. So the series isn't completed, but I remember loving the shit out of those I remember books. each book is standalone. So yeah, I'm guessing yeah, you may yeah. not be getting some of the other characters you might have wanted. But each book was standalone. I remember that. And about a different couple. I'm trying to see if it's available. So don't get attached to people, I guess. I know. <laughs> Focus it on the main well, couple. Lolita Lopez is... Not a real name, so I'm guessing she's probably um, she's probably <laughs> you, you a New York Times say. bestseller who's like moonlighting yeah. as a <laughs> uh-huh. well, filthy like, smut monster. Series I've got to get to. Okay, guys, let's see. I want to see if it's available on Amazon before we tell everybody to get this book. This is so funny. Well, it's from 2015, so. That's that series, but yeah. I probably can... read this whole book during that time when I was I know. going on like an alien binge. For sure, yeah. <laughs> I remember doing a few oh my alien God. binges. Some of these look so good. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to have to look at that later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start a thread in the group, in the yeah. Facebook group. 
Yeah, for like the alien ones. Because there's another one, and I, I, there's only like a certain snippet I remember. And it's kind of like, not the same thing as the the, the held one or a hold or whatever. But it's where, um, she, I remember like he takes her and he has like this little cave. And he has sex with her like in the cave and they're like bound together or something. And then there's a group of guys who help him escape. And then... He, and, like, this is the first human he's ever seen or whatever. And then they escape, and then all the guys that help him escape eventually get their own books. But I can't remember if it's, like... Isn't that Zorn Warrior? I was thinking maybe that is, that... is that how Zorn Warrior starts, though? That's the second that like one. He's, he's no, captured, right? Like No, he, like, lands on the planet to go and try and see about these human women. Because they see, they've seen the first one. Mm-hmm. And he's the brother, and he goes down. Maybe it's a different Zorn Warrior, though. If anybody knows, just yell at me right now, and I'll try to figure out what it is. But it's like, maybe they start off captured, and then he's given a female. Because I remember he's enslaved. He oh. is. And then he breaks free. But maybe that's, it's like, That's book one of Zorn Warrior. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Maybe that's how he the wins starts. her. And then he goes back to his home planet. Yes, that's right. Where that's his right. dad okay. is king. All right, I'm glad you helped me talk talk through that. So that's that the first book. Is so good. Yeah, the Zorn Warrior series I loved, and it, it's um, like they're super like kind of like uh, the women are really bitchy in that, and I liked it. So it was really good. Like a couple of one of the women that gets taken is just like so mouthy, and the Zorn Warriors like I can't deal with this, and like it's <laughs> another human, <laughs> like, but like she's really mean, so uh, you know it makes sense. But uh, <laughs> I can't deal with this. <laughs> I can't deal with this. Well, one of the things I liked about the um, when she's ready that we read this week um, is that she was a talker. The yes. the, the heroine was like um, she's like almost like a nonstop chatterbox. I loved it, but like in the most adorable way. She was so adorable. I wanted to be her buddy. I know yeah. she was relatable. I liked it, and um, like I had a hard time at first with the horns and the tail. Oh and the god, with the barb. But that's then, the best like, part. But then, yeah, but it ended up being really hot. Like, when he was going down on her or whatever, when he was, like, and she was holding his horns and he talked about how good it felt, I was like, oh, I, I mean, maybe horns are okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, it's like the male equivalent of pigtails. You know, like how men like to steer you with pigtails. <laughs> because I'm convinced that, like, Ruby Dixon, like, she has... <laughs> I've never seen her being picked out before. I can't even picture it. <laughs> I can't. Leah's still laughing. I can't. Sorry, I'll through it. <laughs> no, because I'm convinced that she was like, she was like, I'm going to go. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to start talking until she's no, done. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll stop. So I'm convinced that Ruby Dixon has just, she like sat back and she was like, I'm just going to design a man, like the perfect man from the ground up. I'm going to give him like basically a rabbit vibrator attached to his, like yeah, as, as, a, as a dick. Uh-huh. And then right? a tongue, a tongue with a ridges. A tongue with ridges. I mean, ribbed for her pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't there another part of him that has a ridge too? Oh, just his penis like has yeah, ridges. Yeah, his dick does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Like she was wow. just like. That's the fun thing about sci-fi, though, because I remember I die when I read uh, Lauren Donner, and like she just never does blowjobs either, like us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, too big. But what she she's does, like, it's too big. She's like it tastes like cotton candy. I'm yeah. like, this. <laughs> 
That's right. Their cum tastes like cotton candy. <laughs> Which I mean, like, I mean, if you're gonna design a fantasy world, like, let's just toss that. It tastes like cream cheese. <laughs> help, help a girl out. You know? Oh my god, I'm the exact opposite of you guys. I'm like, it smells like dirty man, like sweat and grit, and I love it. I'm like, if I'm gonna suck a dick, like, let it be, a, like, let it really just be like an earthy. Just oh like God, a man who works that, hard, you know. My my husband's like, probably even, outside listening to this know, right, right now. He's like, wow. Sorry, honey. Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh wow, that's filthy." <laughs> he's probably outside the door, like, "Why are you always like we have to take a shower first? No, no right? <laughs> You're always saying I gotta take a shower first. I don't know you are one earthy. I feel, I feel like Tess is using a screwdriver when this job calls for a hammer. Like, there's no need to make it harder on you. You know, like it doesn't have to smell earthy. It can smell like cotton candy. His cum can taste like a Ritz cracker. I mean, like there's no rules. You know. So I love I'm just it. Saying, it just if you're gonna do a sci-fi, suspend that reality a little bit further, right? Just open yourselves up to a charcuterie I, of I don't penis even, flavored things. We don't even write sci-fi, and I think ours tastes like gummy bears. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some sugary sweet shit that, you know, it makes total sense. No, give me that ball sweat. That's what I want. <laughs> no. Oh, um, and also I'm just so impressed by the way like she ha she creates like <laughs> this is like one of the reasons I could never create like never write sci-fi is that like once you start hyphenating names and coming up with fake oh, names of planets, yeah, yeah. mine would be ridiculous. Like she's like, Oh, those are Slahadahas and <laughs> <laughs> or like she comes up with some crazy name and I'm like, I could never. Like they would be the Davids or something. I'm the not Davids. that creative. But you oh, know, those honestly, are the, that's a race of Davids and Celestes over there and yeah. I'm listening to um Katie Wilde's uh The Midnight Bride this week. I'm listening to it real time because I didn't get a chance to to read it beforehand. But I love this story and I just thought, oh, this sounded so good. I'm going to love this. And I've been listening to it and she does the same thing where she's able to write this world and give you this short story and somehow immerse you in it without being like overwhelmed with details. Mm -hmm. And you still want to know more. Like she's talking about stuff and I'm like, well, when did that happen? What is that in another book? Can I look that up? And it's like <laughs> all of it's attached. And so it was still so much of it that I never felt overwhelmed. And like I'm on Thursday's episode and I'm dying for the conclusion. But it's been like with the names and everything, like you said, Tessa, it's like it's so creative and cool, but it doesn't feel weird. Like it feels like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to be their names and stuff, you know, like it, I don't know. It was, that's how it felt when I read Ruby's book, too. It yeah, felt like it. That's just oh, cool. All right, that's what their planet's called. Yeah. Oh, his name is Justin Dahoha. That's probably part of the thing. I've never tried to say them out loud. Yeah, <laughs> you just think them when you read them. <laughs> I just, I'm gonna be reading. interested to see how this book translates in the audio this week. Oh, so, I, I got okay. So emails. I got an email from the narrator. Probably, it's probably been a, it's been a couple of weeks with like, so like a page of a page of queries <laughs> about pronunciations. Oh, that's shit, the only time. Book, yeah. That's the only time I've, I've. There's been like one or two other times where they've been like, "Do you want us to say and this I, or that?" But and you know. I think Ruby was just like, "Sure." She was like, yeah. "This all sounds fine to me." Yeah. <laughs> She's like, "I don't even know. I've never." She's said like, "I've never said them out loud either." She's like, <laughs> I just 
bang on my keyboard, and then there's the hero's name. <laughs> um, I just I can picture a cat just pawing down on the keyboard. I know her <laughs> and like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's the city. All right, nice, good job, babe. She just plays. She just mixes up Scrabble tiles and just like rolls them like dice. <laughs> Speaking of Scrabble Tiles, holy shit, have y'all watched that show Christmas Town? That's on FX. It's on Netflix or something right now, but I think either A&E or Netflix produced it. If anybody's watching that, let me know, because it's scaring the shit out of me, and I got questions. <laughs> no, I haven't even heard of it. Yeah, it's got the guy Ameri- from my American Horror Stories, the really tall, dark-haired guy that was in Star Trek. Um, oh, I like him. He was from uh, Heroes. Zachary, yeah. Zachary yeah. Kinto. Yeah, him. He plays this really old, creepy guy who like. Oh, I've seen ads for that. Yes, his face is weird. I it know freaks it's me really out on the computer. It freaks me the fuck out on the show. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like my <laughs> husband started watching it, and I just happened to be in the room the other day, and then I got sucked into an episode, and now I'm scared to go to sleep. <laughs> you know what show's been scare- scaring me is Chernobyl. Have you guys watched Chernobyl? I couldn't watch it. I'm oh like, this my is, god, this is real life. I can't. I'll I'll stick to fantasy. We are one human error away from just like all of us awful dying. catastrophes. Okay, yeah. Listen, Tess. I know, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> listen, I, I'm on that same thread as you, Mel. I'm already <laughs> catching this tidal wave before it crashes on us. Pull it in, Tessa. <laughs> oh my Rain, god. Let's go back to gummy bear. Come. Rain in the despair. <laughs> All right, let me tell you something funny that happened to me yesterday because I wanted to tell you guys, but I wanted to wait until you today. <laughs> so I um, I have to, oh, so my, when my husband and I, when we've traveled abroad and we've gone to other countries, one of the, the cool things we get is we get a map of the city or the country we're in and we bring it back. And we've done that a couple of times and I wanted to wait until we got to our new house to frame them and put them on the walls. So yesterday, I went to my local Hobby Lobby, shout out 50% off on framing. And so I go in, and I have a bunch of these, but I have both my kids with me. And so I'm in there, and I'm going through, like, frames and, like, matting and all this stuff as we're going, like, through map by map. And then, so my kids are getting restless. Like, I've given them, like, pen and paper, and they're drawing. And I was like, oh, I've got some candy in my purse. Hang on. And so I reach over, and I give them each one. And my daughter, my youngest one, goes... Ooh, sugar daddy. I love sugar daddies. <laughs> and then proceeded to go on and on and on about how sweet sugar daddies are and how good they taste and how big they are. And I was just like, who? Like, I had never thought about that particular candy being so, tr- like, triggering before. <laughs> but I was in Hobby Lobby mortified because, like, she would, I was like, she knew oh my, my breath like, she picked up on your energy she picked up on your energy and she just pounced on it oh my god i was like lord if this ain't my child oh my god <laughs> but then so like she she won't stop saying the sugar daddy and i'm like trying to shush her but it doesn't work if i just like shove the candy in her mouth i'm like just eat it, <laughs> but then, eat your so, daddy be quiet yeah. <laughs> so but this is how i know she's my kid because she would do this shit and then for my birthday, I got home and she oh, picked out it. a card. And I know you, got, you guys probably saw it on Facebook, but it was like she, Kevin was, my husband was like, oh no, she picked out this card. And on the front, it's like two poodles. And they've got on sunglasses and like glittery collars. And you open it up on the inside and it says, 
let's have a birthday like the bitches we are, like the bad bitches we are, or something. And she signed it. Like, that was the card she picked out because it had the poodles on the front, but on the inside, it called us bad bitches, me and her. And I was like, she's four. She can't read it. So, like, she's legit, like, I was like, wow, this is my child. My child would give me a card that had bad bitches on it. Like, that was great. So Hilarious. So that's what's going on with my kids right now. If anybody else is enjoying their summer. Oh, uh, <laughs> my kid's not out yet. I actually, oh, like. God. She's gone for, like, ten years. I know. Well, I went. She gets out next Wednesday. Um, so I went and got, I went and got a massage this morning to like prepare myself (laughs) in preparation. (laughs) Yeah. Have you, have you guys ever gotten, um, a massage from a man? Like, have you ever gotten a professional, professional massage? I always request them. Yeah. You always do? Yeah. I make sure I request a woman when I call in. I do now. Just because. I do now. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Have you had a bad well, experience? Well, probably like probably when I was a lot younger, I did get a like a professional massage from a man, and I remember just being like not able to relax. So then, like probably about a year ago, I did I did it again. I was like, ah, oh, who cares? I'm enlightened. I'll just whoever comes in is fine, right? And then the yeah. whole time I was just like, does he want to have sex with me? Does he want to have sex with me? Does he want to have sex with me? <laughs> <laughs> like it's all I could think about. Does he think I'm attractive? Does he think I'm? Does he think I'm? <laughs> Just like over and over. So then now I just request women. No. Oh, man. I've never had that. I mean, I've had a male do it before, but I didn't like have a problem with the experience. Like it was just, it was totally fine. I just laid there and like, I think at one point I farted, which was (laughs) that apparently happens when you you don't fart. He's not, they're not doing a good job. Exactly. Right. But, you know, it's funny when we went to, when Mel and I, you remember when we went to Miami and we were down there and my brother was with us and he had a massage and I just scheduled him like with the, I, he wasn't there yet. He was coming later. And so I booked him a massage and I just put like a woman cause I just thought, oh, you know, he probably wants that. And then he asked for a man when he got there, he was like, can I get a man? And I was like, really? And he was like, he's like, they're stronger. He said, I can't, he's like, a woman can't get deep enough on my muscles. Like, he was just straight up, like, I want somebody to hurt me. Yeah, me that's him, what actually... Yeah, me and him both got, like, that yeah. deep massage. I like a hard massage. Yeah. I get a I deep tissue. Yeah, I, like, I I have to... I actually don't really even enjoy the massage that much because, like, I'm going for, like, actual therapeutic reasons. Like, I, it's, yeah. even today, the girl was like, I can't even get into your left shoulder. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what's happening here. Yeah, so like I go because of that it's actually just my back just is locked up, but um, so I don't even really like I'm wincing pretty much the whole time. No, I go for I always pick a scrub. If there's a scrub and a bath option, that's my crack. Yeah, because I want to get exfoliated and then I want to soak. I don't want to be in pain. I'm in pain enough. I want to <laughs> go and I want to relax and I want to feel good. I once got this is like a long time ago, but there was a there was a spa treatment where you you soaked in a ba- like a fragrant beautiful yeah. aroma aromatherapy bath for like forty five minutes, mm-hmm. and then you got out and they did like um, a massage for forty five minutes with your scalp and your feet mm-hmm. and like and I I can't find that anywhere like I like I can't find a spa at least near my house that oh shit Mel I found out there's a melting pot in Long Island. <laughs> We almost went last night. I saw. I was just searched for because we're like we go to this we go to this thing uh, once a month for my daughter. Like chicken, the 
crown chicken? Oh, no. my God. Do you regret sharing your location yet? Mel has, yeah. Well, we told them last week that Mel's been tracking my location, right? Yeah. So yesterday she texted me, like, what, she's like, how's the crown chicken? And I was like, oh, my God. Don't even, I was like, turn off the tracking because I'm going to Target for the fifth time this week to try and find a copy of Fixer Up on the shelves. You killed me because you were like, I don't want anybody to witness this. Turn it off. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did not find it at the uh, first again. one. So then Damn I go it. to a second one. How and did Target y'all got? Shit. It's 45 minutes away. It's, oh don't even God. get... It's the most... This is the most humiliating thing. I shouldn't even be telling you. <laughs> I did not drive 45 minutes away to see Oh, I my God. Bitch, I, I don't did. know... Look. I drove an hour and 20 minutes to Barnes & Noble to find my book. There's no judgment here. No shame. No, I well, first of all, Target, you guys are liars because on your website, it's like three copies left and I get there and there's no copies. So I know you're lying because three people didn't buy it in the space of 15 minutes. You're just like trying to get people to come to your store, which I will forever. And I well, always yeah, will. That's, 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 they're banking on <laughs> Let me people see coming to buy. Target is banking on people to come to buy your book to get people there. Yes. That's yeah. what they're doing, Tessa. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. <laughs> So I go to another Target that's like 45 minutes away. I get there and it's in the middle of like an area that is insane. It's almost like Manhattan. There's no parking. It starts pouring rain. And like I just turned around and came home after driving 45 minutes. You didn't even go in, son. They didn't even go in. And then I got (laughs) – so I was so upset by the time I walked into my house that I was just like – Pat and Mackenzie, and Pat was like, are you all right? And I was like, no, it's just like, I just feel like really lonely in this job and this life. And I just, <laughs> it's just a really lonely life. Okay. Oh, I love you so much, Tyler. And I was just like, so in my, I was just in this like bubble of just misery. Yeah. And, which is so stupid. Like I got to come home to a, my family and like make yeah, dinner. And it's okay, that's a great though. thing. You can feel alone in this because it's true. It's, it's it like, does, sometimes it, it just lonely. feels lonely, and it feels like you're the only one that cares about what you're doing, and so, like, yeah. that gets, I don't know, sometimes it just feels, like, really isolating as, like, a, as an author, but, like, anyways, no, that, I've, I've given up on it, I'm not gonna go to any more targets. Yeah. No, just not to brush that off, though. That's so true. I mean, it, I think it's, like, I mean, like you said, there's no one to share in your, your hardships or your successes. You know, I mean, you have people that, you know, it's like my husband coming home and telling me that he's had a frustrating day and explaining it. I can empathize, but I can't, I I can't do anything about it, you know? So it's like when you have a release, like your husband can be excited, but what's he going to do? You know, like he didn't contribute to writing the book. He didn't, you know, so it's like you're doing this all alone. So your success and your failures are your own. So, you know, when you have these hardships, it falls on your shoulders. And even though like, you might be emotionally, like, overly excited, I guess, or, you know, just kind of, like, on the fringe of, of, of whatever emotion you feel, you know, whether it's happiness or, or sadness. You know, if you're, like, right on the brink of it, and then something like this tips you over, you can't help but think, where do I turn, you know, because this is your job. This is you that you've created this. Yeah. So it, I can understand that. But I feel like it, it goes for other people, like any, really anybody's job or anybody like who has something in their life that's like their outlet or their creative outlet. Like you, 
it's really hard when something is so massive to you and you've put so much of your time and energy into it and so much thought into it. And like, really, it only matters to you at the end yeah. <laughs> so how it feels. Like, I, I think that's not really true because I know just based on the amount of just readers say the nicest things and reach out. And I, I know it doesn't just matter to me. Like, your books don't just matter to you. But it's like... Um, sometimes it just sometimes it feels like that, it, like especially when you yeah. have your period and it's raining and like yeah. you just went to the fifteenth target and you work by yourself. I mean, even me and Liam, we technically kind of work by ourselves. You sit in an office by yeah. yourself. There's not people running in and out of your office that you're talking to about mm-hmm. work. You are alone a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really. I mean, and like you said, just because we have each other that we write back and forth or we text throughout the day or whatever. Like it is, it is a very lonely job. Like the validation is hitting it a bestseller list. I get. I mean, and when you don't do that, or maybe like it doesn't, it it's just doesn't. I don't know. Go as far as you hope it did. You kind of just like you know. I'm just gonna. Why do I even do this? It's like you you get you just go to the furthest extreme you can and you can't stop yourself from doing it. It just becomes like, what am I doing this for? Nobody cares. Like. And I think that goes for anybody. Like it goes not just for authors. It's like anybody in any job, you know, you just, your successes don't get recognized. It speaks to the heart of an, of an artist as well to where it's like what you create, you immediately invalidate. No. And and it's like that beautiful saying, comparison is the thief of joy, but you can't help, but you know, do that and then feel alone on top of it. Like that's really hard. And you've had this release in the barrel for months, (laughs) months and months and months. You've stressed, you've worried, you've worked, you've pushed, you've struggled. And it's like, it's finally there. It's finally released. And all you want to do is see it in a fucking target. Like it's supposed to be like the goddamn (laughs) website says it's supposed to be. Listen, I'll validate you all day if you want. And I don't want, and I don't want people to like, I don't want anybody listening to think I'm not happy with the way it did or that I'm not happy with the book or like it people's response to, to it i am really happy about it. it like i really am i'm proud of it like leah said she said it perfectly you're like i've done all this i'm supposed to see it in target why aren't i seeing it why aren't i seeing yeah it? and it's, it's like just you're, like you're at the finish line and nobody's standing you're like where's my ribbon <laughs> yeah so run it through it and it's exactly. not here yeah. target <laughs> you've made it 99 percent. you're gonna stop at the finish line like come on where the fuck is my book <laughs> yeah. and it's like no but it's not it has nothing to do with being grateful and it has nothing to do with like your amazing group of readers or the people who are cheering at you online, it's different when you're in your house and you click that button and it's there and it's out in the world and you're like, I guess I'll go do laundry. I mean, that's how it is for us with our release. I mean, it's like... It's weird, right? Yeah, Restored went live yesterday and it was like, well, I guess I'm going to go clean up dog shit. Like, that's that's my day now. (laughs) I guess I'll pull all this I mean, you guys do publish so often that I'm wondering if you guys get this like post-release like drop in energy, like not so much like I'm just going to go do laundry, I guess, and wait to see what happens, but just like an almost like there's all this build up, you put all this work into it. And then like once that like fanfare dies off or like you, you know, like you see it start to reverse directions in the Amazon rank. So do you just have like a drop like in your added to your mental energy? I feel like we get lazy sometimes on release day. 
Oh, with writing. It's release day, which we do all the oh, time. Oh, I can't write We on did yesterday, day. but on release, yesterday we did write, but usually we're like, we did something. We don't got to do nothing today. <laughs> but our turnaround time for that dip, I feel, is a lot quicker because we release so quickly. Yeah. I watch the charts on the book. While I'm still working, I'll click on them and watch them as I'm making posts and stuff. But it, I usually only watch that chart for maybe two, three days. And then I'm like, all right, it's done. Like once it starts to drop, I'm out. Like if I do that too. T- with a, I do it for about a week though. Yeah, when it but you know your releases are less sporadic or less frequent. Yeah, I, I mean yours are pretty on, but I mean we're releasing like you know between two and four books a month, so it's like I don't know. I guess that's comparable, like depending on your release rate, but. I just look at it like, okay, like, you know, for example, Restored that went live. Like, I'm like, oh, cool. I text Mel. I was like, was that num- it's at number nine. And she's like, what well, was it number eight earlier? And I was like, well, I'm not watching the charts anymore. Like, I'm, <laughs> that's that's it. I'm serious. Fuck you, like, Leah. I'm serious. I swear to God. I know that sounds so shitty. But it's like, it, it is like, it's a mental thing. It feels like it fails when no, it starts because, to like, fall. It's, yeah, and that's such a, it's such a crazy thing that you and think I, yeah. that, because it's like, to be yeah. in the top 10 on Amazon and be like, okay, well, fuck it, it's failing. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but um, I know what you mean, because like, once it starts to go down, it, it um, it's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to keep looking at it go down. So yeah, like, I'm just done. Yeah, because all it's going to do is yeah. make me feel like, oh, we should have done this, or why don't people like this? It's a really good book, you know? Or And that's what I feel like, too, is, like, I feel like Restored was one of our best stories we've written in a while. I thought it was really good. It was really angsty, a little bit different than what we've written. And it was a great story. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. People are going to love it. And then it was like, not that people don't love it, but it's like, it, again, this goes back to being lonely and not having like any. But sort also, of I think it's because you wrote an uh, one of my ideas, and that's why yeah. it was less successful. <laughs> so less successful, what I need though. to do is write one of your ideas and see what happens. Um, I just really need to break in here and let you guys know that Taco Bell has a hotel now. It just came what? up on my BuzzFeed. What? Yeah. I just, I've had this sitting here for like 15 minutes while we've been having a serious conversation, but Taco Bell has opened, (laughs) Taco Bell has opened a hotel in Palm Springs, California. I'm serious. I don't know. It's like, it's like Taco Bell themed, uh, hotel rooms. I should have bought stock in this. And, um, it's got like little, you know, like the sauce packets. They yeah. have flotation devices that look like sauce packets. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so that's really cool. I'm into it. What do you guys want to do? Should we play the first the first section of When She's Ready by Ruby Dixon? Should we let him have it? I don't know. Did you want to do anything else before we do this? I know you have a list of things. Well, the only thing I wanted to ask you guys, because it's our theme this week, is do you believe in aliens? I am of the theory on what the movie Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey, where her dad is like a like a scientist or whatever. I've like, seen this movie. Yeah, it's you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I haven't. Says, <laughs> do you really? I haven't. Oh, wow. no. You haven't seen it. Oh yeah, but anyway, so dad tells her, and he was like. He says, if there's nothing out there, it's a whole lot of wasted space. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. I'm like, there's got to be something out there. I think it's almost... We're not that special. Yes, I would say it's very... That's very narcissistic to think yeah. that there's not something else out there. Yeah. There's got to be. Yeah. My Have you husband... ever been abducted? 
<laughs> so you can say, my husband is <laughs> My husband is like a really, he loves, he, he watches Ancient Aliens and all those shows like religiously. I will say that. That is very interesting. The history behind oh, Alexander that the Great and the aliens and stuff and the pyramids. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting yeah. to read. Well, my husband will be like, well, how do you, how do they build the pyramids? Like scientists and, and engineers can't even figure out how with, with the tools they had at the time, how they built those yeah. pyramids. And also the way they're, and like the way they line up with planets and like mm-hmm. all of it's very strange and he'll, he'll go on and on about it. And I'm like, I think they exist, but I just can't make myself care. I'm like, no, I hear what you're saying. And like, until they're here, like, though, and it. I see I them, it. I don't care. Like, yeah. I hear what you're saying about yeah. the aliens, but did you know Taco Bell opened a hotel? <laughs> <laughs> we have to right end on that on note. Earth. We have to end on that note. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, here is the first installment of When She's Ready by Ruby Dixon. You guys are absolutely going to love it, and you're going to be Ruby Dixon fans for life. So enjoy the before, and then we'll catch up with you after. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Part 1. Tassar Explain to us again how this works. I cross my arms and watchfully study the mail across the table from me and my friend, Vordegar. The tiny food service restaurant we're seated in is run down and dingy, and the protein chips we ordered nearly as dry and tasteless as the fermented brew. On Rizdar 3, though, there aren't a lot of options for restaurants. In fact, this is the only one, and it has all of three tables. The farm planet on the outer rim isn't very populated, which means the supply depot functions as spaceport, social gathering spot, and community center. If I look out the window, I can see the large, sprawling manor that houses the lord of this planet, and not much else. Lots of fields full of green crops and endless rolling hills. It's a far cry from the red and bleak atmosphere of Haven, but I'll take it. I'd rather be anywhere than on a prison planet. I know Vortigar feels the same way. This isn't ideal, but it'll do. Jatari clears his throat and toys with his glass of brew. He glances at us, then over at the window where his fragile mate watches, their child in her arms. His hard expression softens for a moment as he gazes upon her, and then he looks over at us. Leilani's a human, just like my mate Chloe. She's one of about 50 of them that arrived six months ago as part of an amnesty program. Yes, but why here and why now? Jatari points at the window to the massive house on the hill. Lord Varem made it a human, you know. Bunch of planetary lords lost their keffing minds when they heard that, but he wouldn't be budged. Said she was his, and that was all there was to it, and if they had a problem, they could go keff themselves. His lips twitch with amusement. His family's old and has a lot of power on Homeworld, so they let it be. But then a bunch of humans got rescued recently, and Homeworld decided to dump them here on the edge of the galaxy where they could be quietly forgotten. Vortigar's lip curls slightly. Humans? I grunt. I've heard about humans. 
They're an intelligent species from a Class D planet, which means it's off limits. They supposedly are hot commodities on the black market, and lots of females get stolen from their homes, never to return. Once a humans come in contact with the rest of the universe, they can't be returned home. As a Class D planet, no one in the Interplanetary Alliance is allowed first contact. So I always wondered what the government did when they confiscated the contraband humans. I guess they dumped them on backwater farm planets like this one. Jatari takes another sip of his brew and continues. Lord Varim didn't want all the humans living at his house, so he parceled out farms to them and got them set up out of his own pockets. It's been a mess ever since. People are trying to steal the farms from the females, and others have been forcefully kidnapping them or getting rid of them to take over their land. Heard rumor that one female was forced to marry a C3, and then he killed her and kept the land. Basically, it's a shit show, and it's not safe for a female alone. I lean back in the rickety wooden chair, scowling. Even on the far ends of the universe, it never fails. People are assholes no matter where you go. So this Leilani wants a maid to protect her land and keep her safe? Why doesn't she ask Lord Whoever to find her a male? She doesn't trust him, Jatari says. She thinks he'll go for the simplest solution, which would be to marry her off to a neighbor. Hers has already petitioned to marry her, but she doesn't like him. Leilani trusts Chloe, though. She trusts another human to help her. I glance over at the female at the window. She's the first human I've seen, and if they all look like that, this is a bad keffing idea. Jatari's mate is tiny and slender. I doubt she even reaches his shoulder. She's pale with a dark mane and looks so fragile that I'm surprised she hasn't snapped under his touch. I don't like the thought of having a mate I can break in bed, but I guess this won't be a real mating after all. It's for convenience. It gives her someone to protect her farm, and me a way to ensure I don't get sent back to the prison planet. That's all it is. And that's why we're here? Vortigar sounds displeased. Yes, I figured the three of you can decide who gets together and we can work on finding a bride for the other. Jatari's voice trails off as Vortigar gets to his feet. Where are you going? I'm out, Vortigar says. Tassar can have the human female. It's the safest way to stay here, Jatari warns. Vortigar just claps me on the shoulder. Which is why she belongs to Tassar here. I'll take my chances elsewhere. I study the big male as he heads out the door. Vortigar served in the wars with me and got sent to the same prison planet I did. He's a good man, but I know why he's leaving. He doesn't want a human female to take one look at his acid-scarred face and skin and recoil in horror. Can't say that I blame him. It's hard to see people flinch at the sight of you. Still. It clears the path for me. I don't have many options left, and this will work well enough, I suppose. I grunt acknowledgement. She knows I'm a convict, right? 
At the window, Chloe turns to look at us. Leilani's fine with the Tassar. She knows Jatari's one and how good he is to me. And her skinny human face lights up with a smile, as if this answers everything. Jatari drains his brew. We told her you were a prisoner of war, and that's why you were at Haven. The look he gives me is a careful one, and we both know the reality behind the situation. Just because I didn't get freed after the Threshian War doesn't mean I don't belong in prison, or that I'm a good male. I'm still a killer. I just happened to get caught up in the wrong side of the war and spent the last several years on a prison planet until I slipped into a box of recycled trash that was taken off-world and Jatari's pirate brother Kivian picked me up and brought me here. All I know is I don't want to go back. Most people don't last more than a few years at Haven, and I'd already been there for far too long. Are you sure this will work? I asked Jatari skeptically. I assure you it will, he says. Lord Varen loves his human. He's going to look the other way when it comes to your record as long as you keep your human happy. Keep the human happy, right. I look at Chitauri's all-too-breakable human mate again and try to imagine taking something as fragile like that into my arms and keffing it. The thought isn't appealing in the slightest. Not sure about that, I admit. It's easy. Do things to make her happy. Help her out around the farm, and humans are big on kissing. Kissing? I ask, the word unfamiliar. What is this? It's putting your mouth on her mouth and touching tongues. Touching tongues? I look at Chloe and imagine Tatari doing such a thing to her, and the thought is ridiculous. I'm pretty sure that violates a sanitary law or two. Several of them, Jatari agrees, and he looks utterly pleased at the thought. Humans don't care about those kinds of things. They're very big on touching and kissing. You'll see what I mean. I'm not sure I agree, but I say nothing. Chloe makes a happy little sound at the window and bounces her large baby on her hip as she looks back at us. She's here. She's just outside. Get ready. To my surprise, Jatari grabs a handful of my tunic and hauls me up from my slouch. Sit upright, straighten your clothes, don't scowl, and be nice to her. All this to impress a human? I brush his hand away, and it's on the tip of my tongue to tell him to go keff himself when the door to the tiny restaurant opens and a cloaked figure steps inside. A split second later, the hood on the cloak drops, and I see the female that's going to be my mate. Well, well, well. This is promising. She doesn't look much like Chitari's little Chloe. Instead of Chloe's sickly pale, this female's skin is a warm golden brown. Her face is round, her eyes dark and the mane that falls down her shoulders is wavy and long and a thick, rich shade of black. She's taller than Chloe, and where Jatari's mate is slim and fragile, this one has a thicker figure and ample, round hips and breasts. Oh yes, I think to myself. 
Now I'm definitely interested. And I grin, utterly pleased. Leilani. I'm nervous. I feel silly for being anxious about the meeting today. I have all the power, I remind myself. I'm the one in control of the situation. If I say I don't want to get married, I won't get married. It's as simple as that. Chloe's smiling as I enter the solitary little restaurant in Rizda 3's spaceport. She's holding her daughter, Kavita, and the baby's so big that it looks like it belongs to a stranger and not this petite woman. But then I see Jutari, Chloe's mate, and I remember that she married a giant. A big, blue giant with horns and a tail. Of course her baby's big. She greets me at the door and touches my hand. If you don't want to go through with this, just say so. I nod at her, butterflies in my stomach. Truth is, I'm not entirely sure I do want to go through with it. I've been on my farm alone for six months, and while sometimes it's lonely, it's all mine. I don't have to worry about anyone else bothering me or telling me not to talk. But then I think about my neighbors and how often I've seen them scoping out the edges of my land as if it's theirs. I think about how unsafe they make me feel when they stare at me in town. I think about how Annabelle died because someone killed her over her land. I'm fine, I tell Chloe. And I will be. I'm strong. I can handle this. So I lower my hood and straighten my shoulders, looking around the restaurant for my husband-to-be. For a moment, I think he's not here, that he's stood me up because the only man in the room other than Jutari is gorgeous. He's flat out beautiful. I was stolen from Earth three years ago. In that time, I've seen a lot of ugly aliens. There's froggy races and reptilian-looking races and lots of races with sharp, scary teeth. I haven't run into an alien that I ever thought was attractive, and I resigned myself to the fact that I was going to marry someone I wasn't sexually attracted to. A loveless marriage is better than a shallow grave, though, and I'll do what it takes to protect my farm. I didn't expect a gorgeous hunk of an alien. Jutari is from a race of aliens called Misaka, and I knew that my husband-to-be would be one, too. He's a distant relative who escaped a prison planet, where he's been for the last few years due to some messy alien war that ended badly. I don't care that he's a convict. That just means he'll intimidate my neighbors. And because he's Misaka, I knew he'd be tall and blue and horned like Jutari, but... Whoa. I was not prepared for what I'm seeing before me. The man I'm supposed to marry is tall. He's about the same height as Jutari, but his horns sweep higher, which makes him look even taller. His head is shaved close, dark bristles shadowing his scalp. His shoulders are massive and broad, covered in tattoos and bulging with muscle. His thighs are as big around as my not-very-small waist, and I swear I've never seen a man so overtly masculine and mouth-wateringly built. Even his face is appealing. His expression is stony, his brow hard with ridges that sweep into the arching horns. The eyes that regard me are intelligent, though, and his nose is large and strong, and he's got the prettiest, fullest mouth I've ever seen on a man. And he's smiling at me, as if he likes what he sees. My knees feel weak. This has to be a mistake. I thought the man I'm supposed to be marrying is desperate and that's why he needs a bride? This delicious blue testosterone feast could have any woman he wanted. 
I'm not sure why he's getting stuck with me. As humans go, I'm unexciting. If he's expecting someone like Chloe, I have to be a disappointment. I'm tall where she's short, and I'm robust where she's dainty. Robust is maybe a kind word. Let's just say all the calories I eat gravitate towards tits and ass, and waist and thigh. Strong, yes. Delicate flower like Chloe, no. Maybe this is a mistake, though. I glance down at the name I've written on my hand so I wouldn't forget. Did Tassar not show up for the wedding? Chloe's brows furrow. She shifts her large daughter on her hip. What do you mean? She glances backward, looks at the two men, and then back at me. He's right there. That's him, I whisper, still astonished. That's Tassar? I can hear what you're saying, humans, the man calls out. He crosses his arms over his chest and just looks amused. Jutari, meanwhile, goes to his wife's side and takes the baby from her arms, pressing a doting kiss to his chubby daughter's cheek. Is there a problem? He asks. No, I managed to squeak out. I just wasn't expecting... An alien, Tassar says. I wasn't expecting you to be sexy, I want to say aloud, but I shake my head. I guess I'm not sure what I was expecting. I'm Leilani. He inclines his head at me, those shockingly large horns tilting as he does. Tassar Solrian. I lick my suddenly dry lips and try to focus. This is for my farm, not for anything else. This is so I can keep my freedom. I need to concentrate. So you want to marry me? For protection in case the authorities come looking for you? He moves closer, taking a few slow steps in my direction. The floors of the rundown restaurant creak under the weight of his boots, and out of the corner of my eye, I can see his tail twitch. That was the original idea, yes. What do you mean, original idea? A smile curves his mouth as he leans in. I mean, I'm seeing benefits to this mating that I didn't see before, little one. I can't decide if I want to flush or slap him across his pretty, pretty mouth. I'm not little, by anyone's standards, and I can't decide if it's an insult or a compliment. Either way, it makes me nervous. I have rules to set before we head to the registrar. Rules? His tail twitches, close to my leg, as if closing the space between us. I cross my arms and try to glare up at him, determined to look fierce. Yes, rules. Two rules, specifically. If you don't like them, I'll find myself another groom. I mean, sure, whoever I get next won't be smoking hot, but that might be a good thing. It'll sure be less distracting. But I find myself hoping he goes along with my suggestions. Not just because he's pretty, but because he's utterly massive and at seven feet tall, he's bound to intimidate my unpleasant neighbors. Tassar lifts his chin at me. Tell me these rules, and I'll let you know if they're agreeable or not. Arrogant man. I flick a finger out to count. One, I get to talk as much as I want. You can't ever tell me to be quiet or try to force me into silence. Done. He's still staring at my finger. Tassar reaches out and touches his finger to mine, and I realize he's only got three fingers and a thumb, all of them far, far bigger than mine. What is your next rule? I clear my throat, my cheeks heating. 
I sort of expected an argument about the talking rule, or at least a few questions. Oh, uh, rule number two? I flick my second finger out, and I wonder if he's going to touch it too. No sex. He looks at me. No deal. I want sex. I can feel my face getting hotter by the moment. That's not part of the deal. This marriage is so you can hide out and so I can protect my farm. Tassar leans in, his deep voice dropping to a whisper. Doesn't mean we can't have some toe-curling sex. He takes my hand in his and touches my fingers as if studying them. His hand is calloused and huge, and for some reason, the sight makes heat pool between my thighs, my pulse throbbing. Do you have five little toes, too? Oh, damn. He should not sound so fascinated. I, why does that matter? It doesn't. I'm merely curious about my mate. And he lifts my hand to his mouth as if he's going to nibble on my fingertips. I snatch my hand out of his grasp because the flush in my cheeks has moved lower and my entire body feels lit up with arousal. This is a marriage of convenience. And, he smiles, sex isn't supposed to be on the plate. But it is now. And he gives me another confident smile, as if it's already been decided. Suddenly nervous, I try to think of a way around this, a way to keep control. No sex until I'm ready, then. Done, he says, just as quick to agree. Wait, I say, panicked. He can't agree just like that. I might not be ready for a long time. Maybe never. Tassar reaches out and takes my hand in his again. He turns it palm up and then traces one big finger down the center of my palm. I feel that small touch all the way to my core and have to bite back a gasp. Then it's my job to make you ready. Part 2. Tassar Two hours later, we leave the registrar's office. Our names recorded as Leilani, human refugee, and her Masaka mate, Tassar. The license is electronically approved and filed by Lord Va Rin's board clerk, and he doesn't even so much as ask for identification checks beyond a thumbprint. I had mine repatterned after I escaped to hide my identity. And if the clerk had bothered to check deeper, he'd have noticed that my records are rather alarmingly blank. But he just yawns, wishes us luck, and then schedules a follow-up at Leilani's farm a week from today. A follow-up? I ask my female, since she's mine now. Why a follow-up? Because my safety is important, she tells me. They're going to make sure you're not abusing me, that's all. Leilani gives me a pert look. The moment you lay a finger on me, I'm poisoning your food, just so you know. I chuckle. <laughs> what if it's a good finger? I flirt. And you want it laid on you. I like the way her cheeks darken and her expression gets flustered. It's clear this little human doesn't have much experience with men. You know what I mean, don't pretend to misunderstand. I would never hurt a female, I tell her, and I mean it. The thought is sickening. You 
are safe with me. Unless you want sex, she replies tartly, not looking in my direction as she approaches her vehicle, an air cruiser with a large bed for hauling goods, then I'm not safe. Not until you're ready, I remind her. That's what we agreed on. You're going to be waiting a long time, Leilani says. I don't mind. I want her to be comfortable around me. If it takes a week or a month or a year, I'm content to wait. After all, I just escaped a prison and before that, a prisoner of war camp on an alien planet. Sex hasn't been high on the list of demands in a long, long keffing time. I can be patient. But I will have her eventually. Even now, as we get into the cruiser, I'm memorizing things about her for the next time I jerk my cock. I watch as she gets into the air cruiser and taps the button for the programmed route with a delicate touch. I watch as she tucks a long strand of hair behind one fascinating small ear. And I watch as she starts to talk. Now I see why she wanted that as a rule. For the entire hours-long ride back to her farm, Leilani talks. At first, she points out each farm we pass, who lives there and what sort of crops they are growing. Then she talks about her vehicle and how it was part of the package she was given when she was gifted her land and how she only knows how to operate a few buttons. Then she talks about the weather on Rista and how it compares to her home, which is a place on her planet called Hawaii. She talks about how she misses the water and the trees. She talks about the stars and how different they look and how many alien races she's met. She talks about the other humans that have settled on this planet. She talks and talks and talks. There's not a moment of silence that passes between us that Leilani's not filling with words of some kind. At first, I think she's just nervous. But as the hours pass and she relaxes, I realize that she just likes talking. It's keffing adorable. And every time she gives a self-conscious little laugh, my cock hardens in response. I'm picturing me on top of her, sinking my cock into her tight cunt, and her talking out just how it feels, and the mental image makes my dick as hard as metal. We're here, she calls out, distracting me from my study of her as she gestures at the windshield of the cruiser. All of the protein synth plants are mine. They look kind of like the corn they grew back at home, but apparently it's a protein-based plant product, and I'm supposed to grow it for cash. I also have 50 head of meat stock. She leans over to me and charmingly says, We call them animals back home. I see, I say, trying not to grin. As if I never heard of the word animals. The cruiser comes to a stop in front of the small house, and she gives me a suddenly wary look, as of just now realizing that she's here alone with me and there's no one around for leagues and leagues. I don't like the unease on her face, so I say, mind if I take a look around? Maybe if I show more interest in the farm, she'll be less anxious about my interest in her. Truth is, I like the thought of a farm but it's become secondary to my interest in Leilani. Absolutely. Take a look around, get to know the place, and I'll be inside. She flashes me a bright smile 
and then practically races into the house to get away from me. I bite back my laughter and watch her go, then access the air cruiser's control panel. Sure enough, the chips on the energy drive look fried, and I wonder if someone sold her a cheap piece of garbage because she wouldn't know better. While it was driving, I noticed a few alarming warning lights on the dash, but I didn't say anything because I didn't want her to feel as if I was intruding. I'll fix this for her later. For now, I want to get a good look at the farm. Actually, I mostly want to go back inside and drink the scent of my female. But for now, I'll look at the farm. Leilani. He's so sexy, I don't know what to do. I tell the plates as I wash them in the sink. The plates don't answer, which is fine. I mostly like hearing the sound of my own voice. I dip another into the water and absently scrub it. Chloe said this would be good for me and that he'd keep me safe, but I don't know what I was thinking. He's going to live here with me. We are going to be married. I think of the hot way he looked at me as if he was imagining me without my clothes on and a little shiver runs up my spine. It was one thing to picture myself marrying some stranger just to protect the farm and another to actually bring him home. Suddenly, my small farmhouse with its space-age plastic walls and bright, cheery windows and tiny, tiny rooms doesn't seem big enough. There's a living room, a dining and kitchen area, and two rooms. There's one bathroom, which means we're going to have to share, and I've already set up the second room as a guest bedroom for him. But he's not a guest. He's my husband. I swallow nervously and wonder what the customs are for his people. Do they have wedding nights? Is he going to expect one? I told him I had to be ready for sex, but the truth is, parts of me are pretty darn ready already. In fact, parts of me are definitely heated up and slick with need, and I feel the insane urge to lock the doors, hide away in my bedroom, and masturbate furiously until I get myself under control again. Nope, we are not going to do that, I say aloud. I put the dishes on their drying rack, finish tidying the kitchen, and then head to the guest bedroom. It's little more than a cubby with a small, narrow bed that doesn't seem big enough for a man of Tassar's stature. Of course, he's not a man, I correct myself. He's a mesaka. They're different. They've got horns and tails and three great big fingers and a thumb and... Now I'm thinking dirty things about his great big fingers. Bad Leilani. I grab one of the pillows and fluff it with a few rough slaps. Everything the aliens use is synthetic and not made from animal products, so the feeling of the pillow itself just molds itself to my hands and makes the whole fluffing thing useless. I feel better after slapping it around a little, though. You're next, blankets, I tell them. I don't know if his planet gets as chilly as this one at night, but he'll be grateful to have you if he sleeps nude. I pause. And now I'm thinking about him nude. Damn it, damn it, damn it. My brain is really on a roll tonight. Viciously, I tuck in a corner of the blanket under the self-molding mattress and I give it a hard thump. You're just going to have to do, bed. I don't care that he's seven feet tall and built like a big blue god. He's sleeping here and I'm not changing my mind. Period. Not changing your mind about what? I scream, jumping and turning to see Tassar in the doorway. You scared the shit out of me. I wanted to see who you were talking to. Oh, 
no one. I just talk to everything, the meat stock, inanimate objects, you name it. Sometimes it gets lonely out here, so I talk to your conversation. I see. He leans against the door, seven feet of casual alien elegance, and it makes his tunic stretch tight over those fantastic broad shoulders. Oh, man. Now I'm looking at his shoulders. Why is that bad? He looks down at himself, and I realize I said that aloud. It's not, I blurt out, thinking quickly. I was just wondering how you were going to fit in your bed, and I pat it. He tilts his head, then rubs a big hand over the dark black stubble on his scalp. I thought since we were married, we would be sleeping together. Um, Tessar just grins at me. Not until you're ready, right? I could melt at the sight of that gorgeous smile. It doesn't even matter that he has a pair of inhuman-looking fangs. They just look delish. Man, I am hard up for some sex. Not until I'm ready, I tell him firmly, and give his pillow one more smack. Leilani Wake up, little one, a deep, liquid voice tells me. Wake up. You're having a bad dream. I jerk awake, my heart pounding, and stare up at the man looming over my bed. Even though he has dark blue skin and horns, there's something comforting about the sight of him that chases away any of the shadows lingering in my mind. I rub a hand over my eyes. Well, what are you doing here, Tassar? I heard you talking, he murmurs, and the bed shifts, sinking down on one side as he climbs in next to me. I figured you were asleep, though. Then you started arguing and crying out, and I thought I'd come wake you up. I hope I didn't intrude. No, it's okay, I manage, a little disoriented. A quick glance at the window tells me that it's still night. Thank you for waking me up. One big arm slides around my shoulders, and he pulls me against him. Suddenly my cheek is pressed to warm, hard pectorals, and I realize he's bare-chested. He's lying atop the blankets, which is thoughtful, but then I find myself wondering if he's completely naked. I squeeze my eyes shut, determined not to look down just in case my mouth starts making decisions for me. Bad, bad Leilani's mouth. Do you often have bad dreams? Or am I causing it? Tassar asks, his hand sliding down my arm. I'm wearing a sleep tunic made of thin material, but for a moment, I wish I was as bare-chested as he so he could touch my skin. No, I have bad dreams, I say. I have ever since I was taken from Earth. They're mostly about my old master. He wasn't a nice man, and he liked quiet a little too much. Which is why you talk, he agrees easily, his hands rubbing comforting patterns against my skin. Yeah, Silly, I know, but when you're deprived of something for a long time, when you get it again, you're addicted. Oh, I know, Tassar murmurs, and then I feel like an ass. He was in prison, of course he knows about being deprived of things. I want to ask him what he's been deprived of, but I don't dare. Thank you for checking on me, I tell him again, and put a hand on his chest to push away, and then I stop. Is he fuzzy? When I touch his skin, it's a bit like touching velour. Are you soft everywhere? 
That's not exactly what a male wants to hear with a woman in his arms. Your skin, that's what I meant. Now I'm blushing again. I could say the same about your skin, he tells me, and I realize he's brushing his thumb against the collar of my tunic, touching the base of my neck. It feels so good and so welcome that I don't even mind. How long has it been since someone touched me in a pleasant way? Far too long. I relax against him, and even though I keep telling myself that it's a bad idea, I run my fingers over the hard planes of his belly. He's just so... pettable. Who knew that this fascinatingly blue skin was so very velvety? It makes me wonder what other surprising things there are about him. Tessar's thumb grazes my neck again. Better now? I think so. Then I'd better leave. Of course. Right. I told him I didn't want him in my bed until I was ready. A couple of touches and a few hours shouldn't change my mind. Thank you, I tell him. I appreciate your thoughtfulness. He grunts. Sure. We'll call it thoughtfulness. And when he leaves my bed, I notice two things. One, that he's wearing pants, and two, that they're stretched tight across the mouth-wateringly huge erection he's sporting. The door closes behind him, and I stare up at the ceiling instead of falling back asleep. I should go back to bed, but instead I think about his body and just how long it's been since I've had sex. This is a marriage of convenience, Leilani, I remind myself. If you start having sex with him, it's no longer about your convenience, but his. I hate it when my brain is right. Tazar. I wake up early and head out into the fields. I grew up on a farm, but it's been a long time, so I decide to get to know the land and the equipment. The animals are fed with programmed machines and their stalls cleaned and scraped regularly. The protein synth plants are maintained by small drones that spray a natural pesticide and eliminate weeds. Very little of the farming is done by hand anymore, but there's more than enough equipment that needs to be maintained, and all of it looks like it could use a good going over. I start with the drones, oiling rotors and changing out filters, adjusting spray nozzles and then sending them on their way back into the endless fields of Leilani's crops. It doesn't take long before the sun is high overhead, the air warming up quickly. I'm sweating as I work, but it's a good sweat. Working on a farm towards a shared future with Leilani is satisfying work. It sure beats breaking rocks in a POW camp or fixing the terraforming machines back at the prison. I look up at the blue sky dotted with fluffy clouds, and I feel a hint of a breeze on my face. I close my eyes, just enjoying the sheer freedom of this place. As far as the eye can see, there's nothing but crops, grazing animals, and endless horizons. I love it. It's invigorating. And I can see growing old here, surrounded by the quiet. I've had enough of wars and the endless noise of society. I like that it's quiet and isolated here. It's when I'm replacing the last of the drones in the field that I notice tracks in the soft reddish-brown dirt. They're boot tracks, 
with the split at the top indicating that the wearer has two toes and the track itself is twice as big as Leilani's small foot would be. Someone else has been here. I straighten, looking around. My senses are instantly on alert. The tracks continue on between the rows of crops heading east, and I follow them, gripping the screwdriver in my hand tightly. I've killed other soldiers and gotten into a fair amount of fights back in the prison. I thought I'd leave that life behind, but the adrenaline roaring in my ears tells me that once a warrior, always a warrior. The need to protect Leilani is real and urgent. I won't let anyone threaten her. And if I have to bury a body in the fields and hide the evidence, so be it. The tracks continue on for a time, and then I see an electronic marker mounted to a metal post. It beeps as I approach, indicating the edge of Leilani's property and where her neighbor's fields begin. I scan the horizon, and my body stiffens at the sight of two large figures standing atop a nearby hill, watching me. From their narrow shoulders, slim height, and smooth reptilian heads, I know that they're C3. Do they think they can take my female's property? Do they think they can take my female? I'm growling low in my throat as I clench the screwdriver in my hand. The two watch me for a moment and then leave, retreating, and my grip relaxes. There's no confrontation today, then. Leilani needs to know she's being watched, though. She needs to be careful in case her neighbors intend on trying something. I might not be the only convict hiding out in the outer rim. I need to make sure she's safe and protected. I'll talk with Leilani, make sure we have an understanding, that she's not to leave the house without checking in with me first so I can protect her. I'm willing to bet that her neighbors will ease off when they find out she's married and they can't claim her or her land and some of the tension in my shoulders eases. I realize just how keffing hot the day is, and I haven't brought water with me. Time to head back to the house. I take a different route through the rows of crops, looking for more footprints, but there aren't any, and they don't come close to the house, which makes me feel better. By the time I get inside, I'm covered in sweat, my scalp itching, and I pull the thin fabric of my tunic that's sticking to my skin. The interior of the house is cool, and the smell of food baking in the oven greets me as I enter. There's no sign of Leilani, though, and when I head toward the lone washroom, I hear the shower running. And then I hear a low moan. My spine stiffens. Is Leilani in pain? Or did the C3 show up to harm her while I was distracted in the fields? Was this all a ploy to get me away from her? With an angry snarl, I grab the handle to the washroom door and shove it open. There, standing in the shower, her delicate brown foot planted on the edge of the tub, is my human mate. Water runs down her lovely skin, and her hair is a silky black waterfall down her back. Her hand is between her thighs, and she stops rubbing herself as I enter. Her shoulders stiffen, and her lips part. I forget everything. She's keffing, touching herself. Her hand is on her cunt, and she has her fingers between the folds. Her large, beautiful breasts are beaded with water, her nipples tight and hard. That flush on her cheeks? That's not from the warmth of the water. Just like the moan I heard wasn't one of pain. My cock goes stiff instantly. 
We both stare at each other for a long moment, and I can't decide if I should back out and pretend as if I saw nothing or confront her about this. Before I can say anything, though, she lifts her chin. Women have needs, too. I see that, I murmur, fascinated at how proud and defiant she is. I love her fierceness. I can't stop staring at her, at the delicate fingers between the soft folds of her cunt, the lushness of her breasts, the rounded swells of her buttocks. She's utterly perfect. Don't just stand there, she says, and there's a wobble in her voice. Shut the door. Shut the door? Oh, I can do that. I reach behind me and close the door so we're alone in the bathroom together, and I lean against it and give her a wicked grin. Go on, don't let me interrupt. And we're back. Hey. Hey. I want to do that music, that do <laughs> like, the, like the unsolved mysteries? Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, after I said it, I was like, is it unsolved mysteries or is that from uh, the other Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No. Or the Twilight the Zone? No, X Files. Movie X Files. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I've seen all of those. Thank you very much. All the seasons, I've seen them. Somebody posted a video or like a GIF of like the Almost Kiss by Mulder and Scully yesterday oh. on Instagram, and I was like, and so it was weird that we're talking. It's like an Alien Week. Yeah. Like, yeah, they knew it was coming. So you guys, um, wait, Mel, do you know? Wait, do you have all this info? Coming? Doesn't he have like a sex addiction, David Duchovny? He did. He's married to his wife. A pornography like... addiction. Oh. Pornography addiction. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who among us? <laughs> who among us? Throw the first stone. Okay, you guys. Ruby Dixon has some stuff uh, that she would okay. like that she we would like you to go and and click. <laughs> so there's a book called Prison Planet Barbarian. It's free, um, and it's Chloe and Jutari who are at the beginning of this. Who you just met. Oh, okay, okay. What's yeah. the name of that one? Pl- uh, Prison Planet Prison. Barbarian, and it is normally two ninety nine, but it's a standalone, so big. there's big blue aliens, right you guys. It's and, free? Yeah. Okay, so that, free. that one, all right, good. Okay, it's free, continue. but everything at Ruby Dixon's is free in KU as well. Oh, okay. So she's completely KU? Yeah. Okay, cool. Pretty Human, a new release from uh, Ruby Dixon and it's part of the Pretty Woman series that she's doing with Alexa Riley and Katie Wilde and yeah so that's out right now um it's 99 cents in KU uh yeah all all Ruby stuff is in KU but that's 99 cents pretty human Bound to the Battle God will release this week as well so keep an eye out for that it's What's uh, that? Is that Bound to the Battle she just randomly mentioned it to me the other day She's like, I have this book that's really long that's kind of like Kristen Ashley's sci-fi stuff. It's long. Yeah, she's like, I'm just going to release it sometime this week. So it may not be live yet. It should be live sometime this week. Keep an eye out for the Bound to the Battle God. We'll tell you about it when it comes out. Mel Mel hit it up on social media. Um, But it's a slow burn. It's long. It's about a woman from our world that gets pulled into a fantasy world. And she has to serve a god that's like the incarnation of arrogance. So he's like an alpha hole, which sounds awesome. I love that. Ruby's giving away a six-month subscription to Audible and 10 ebook copies of, like, a reader's choice. So that's really, really generous, and that's yeah. so much good stuff. You know what she's so. saying? She's like, suck it, Katie Wilde. 
I'm going to see your six months on KU, and I'm going to raise you some free ebooks. I'd like to see the two of them mud wrestle now over who should win for our affection. Go. I would so watch that. I would, too. I don't know who would win. I don't know either. That's I don't know. Ruby seems feisty. Katie seems kind of underhanded. Yeah. Like, I feel like she'd come up with a knife or something. Yeah. she like, cut off her ponytail and be like, let's do this. <laughs> This is funny as us because we both have been real Sorry. So, um, not yet is out by you guys today. Is that right? Oh yes, I am so no, excited. It, it about came this. out a few days ago, but come out today's the first day we can talk about it. Okay. Oh yeah, okay. But yeah, it's um, it. I was really excited about this one for some reason. Um, Mel and I saw a picture, and it was like it was prom photos because it's prom season. We were talking, and there was like a couple, and they were a brother and sister, and they were like hugging. And we, I like sent it to her. I was like, "What if they're like secretly in love with each other?" <laughs> and then I just kind of like spurned from there. So it's about like this. Um, these two kids, they meet when they're really little. Their parents get married. Their stepbrother and sister. But they're, like, best friends, thick as thieves, their whole lives. Like, maybe we should – you want me to read the book bio? Would that be Sure. Good? Yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Do it. 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 I have it right here. Allie's mom married Drake's dad when they were just little kids. They became best friends instantly and spent years thick as thieves. But that all changed in high school. All she has to do is make it through the homecoming dance, and then she and Drake can go their separate ways. And when he asks to be her date, suddenly she sees the boy she once loved. Drake has loved Allie since the day they met, and nothing has changed since then. He's had to keep her at arm's length because he can't have a happily ever after with her. They've been raised as siblings, and she doesn't deserve that kind of gossip. But when it's time for the homecoming dance, he can't let anyone else be by her side. It's time to give in to what his heart has always wanted and what it's waited for. Warning. These childhood best friends can't make this work. Or can they? Fall in love with us as these two finally realize what's going on in front of them and dare to hold on to it. We promise it's worth the wait. Oh, that's super cute. So that's not yet by Alexa Riley. It's out. Okay. You have so pretty human by Yeah. Ace of Hearts by Ella Goody is out as well this week, or t- I think today. And then the final book in your Pretty Woman series is out. Do you guys know the name of that one? <laughs> pretty <laughs> Darling. Pretty Darling. They all start with pretty. Are you so, sure it's Darling? I, I think so. Oh, I have Daring, maybe? Oh. Pretty Daring? Oh. I, don't, I emailed you the list. You have the email in front of you. I do not. Pretty Daring oh. is out today. Yeah, I just checked. Okay. So that's it for this week. Wait, do you have any books out? Do you have any books coming? Are you you said you're working on your Beach Kingdom one. What's the date? Oh, it's not till August. I'll okay. let you guys know when it's out. Yeah. Okay. I'm like revising it right now. So... <laughs> Okay, so I think that's it for today. We'll, we'll be back on Friday with the rest of with the rest of Ruby Dixon's uh, yeah. when she when she's ready. So tell them what to do, Leah. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. That's it. <laughs> Bye. 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 Read me romance. Read read me romance. Read me romance. Read read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read me romance. Read.